traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good afternoon, equestrians. This is Scott Miller coming to you live from Delray Beach, Florida. We are uh, excited this week. Uh, we're caught up on everything that we needed to get caught up on. We're moving right along. Uh, we got a nice weekend of uh, equestrian events coming up all over the country and all over the world. And so I, it's kind of exciting now. I'm kind of getting into a regular um, routine with my life. Uh, it's straightened back out. God's blessed me, and he got me through some very crucial times over the last uh, eight to ten months with uh, cancer and and so, um, you know, I'm very uh, glad to be here. I'm very thankful to be here for all the friends that I've had that uh, helped me through it, such as the people at BBS and uh, Churchill Downs and Winstar Farm and Spencer Farm and MyRaceHorse.com. I could go on forever to the people that helped me. But uh, that's what life is all about, um, helping, uh, you know, one another. And same thing in the horse business. Um, whenever you're out there, if you see something or you can help out one of your horse uh uh, friends, uh, be be sure to do it because it helps the horse. It helps the person um, that's needing the help. And uh, and what I like about it, it's good for the industry, you know, and it, it makes a better place for us to live in and everything. So I'm kind of excited today. Um, if you want to call in, you can call in at 323-744-4831. That's our call-in number. So, um, you know, we're going to get to it here. Uh, last weekend, we had... Uh, uh, a lackluster, what we'll call Preakness steaks, uh, and black-eyed Susan steaks. Um, after the Derby and, and the longest shot on the board to, um, win, uh, it, it was just kind of, that was the buzz about everything. Uh, everybody was talking about that and, um, all the different things that happened. The horses that weren't supposed to, um, run good, ran good. And the ones that did run, were supposed to run good, they ran bad. And, you know, it's just like one thing after the other. And it, and it all goes back to when we started talking about last year putting together a, a program called How They Get There. Um, this year it's called How They Get There, the 2023 Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks. And um, it, it's very interesting because uh, with the Derby this year and, and how the horses got there were uh, from all over the country, all over the world. Uh, they had their own uh, journey that they went on. Uh, they were decided by the owners and the trainers and, and the jockeys and, and all the staff that was uh, associated with each horse. And they all came from different areas. And the one that's the least likely to get there um, was Rich Strike that won the Derby. Uh, you know, a month or so late, uh, earlier going into the Derby, you could have you could have bought the horse. You could have claimed the horse for a thirty thousand dollar claiming tag. Uh, you know this horse wasn't setting nobody on fire. He had won a few races. Um, you know, but nothing uh, you know fantastic. He did win, uh, earn enough points, forty points, to get into the Derby. And when he, you know, when it came time to pull in the twenty, they pulled the twenty horses for the Derby, and he wasn't there. He was number twenty one. And then Wayne Lucas, um, he he scratches out his horse. Uh, in the Derby, and that made room for Rich Strike to get in as the 21 horse. And then um, when the race was off uh, at Churchill, they were scattered all over the place. You didn't know who was going where, you know, what was going on. 
um, they ran the fastest quarter and fastest half mile ever in the Kentucky Derby. So they burned all the horses, burnt themselves up. And then Rich Strike's problem, um, he was back in the back, and, and the jockey took him from the outside 20 post down to the rail, and then he started weaving his way through horses. And it, it was it was unbelievable. This horse got fired up. Uh, when he started coming through those horses and picking them off one and two and three at a time, it was amazing how he ran. Uh, you know, I, I, you just didn't know. But it was one of those things that you visually didn't notice him you visually did not notice him during the during the race because all the other horses were bunched up at the front and they were talking about epicenter and they were talking about all the um horses that uh you know were supposed to win simplification and you know uh, all these other horses that um uh you know were were there and then next thing you know at the at the three eighths pole they get down in there and then to the eighth and 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 the sixteenth. He, he's weaving his way in and out, and, and, and the jockey is down on the rail. He's got a horse in front of him backing up, and he yanks him. Uh, he draws him to the outside with the right rein uh, to get him over to the three lane, and then the horse goes right on and runs past everybody up front. Nobody knew what happened. It's like you know they were saying, "Where did he come from?" Nobody saw this horse. Uh, it, it fooled the announcer. They fooled the crowd. They fooled the jocks. They fooled everybody. And I mean, it was just one of those fairy tale dreams that you never, never get to really see. You, most of us hear about these fairy tale dreams, but not many of us get to live and see a fairy tale dream like that. And we did. We did this time. And, and it was exciting. And then immediately after the race was over, uh, our discussion here at the farm was who all is going to go on to the greatness. You know, that's something you're not going to know for a day or two until you get out of out of there and um, and see how your horses come out uh, of the derby and everything. And sure enough, these horses have been on a long, hard campaign and had to come a rough road to get to the derby. And then the derby just kind of finished them off. And then, you know, um, you go down to the Preakness and, and you see, uh, you know, a few that have been in the derby. Uh, you know, we had early voting epicenter, creative uh, minister. You know, what was in there. Uh, it, it was really interesting. A couple of new shooters had come into, into the, um, you know, uh, to the race. Uh, Fenwick, uh, he's a nice horse. He was there. Secret Oath, she ran, um, you know, uh, in, in the Preakness. She finished fourth. Early voting, uh, for Chad Brown. Um, Happy Jack. Um, you know, it, it was a good race. Epicenter, Skippy Longstockings. You know, was in there. We had some in there from the Derby, but they, you could tell that they were pretty much drained out of there. And, and it ended up being Chad Brown, one of the, the Preakness with the early voting. Um, he, he was, uh, you know, right there spot on. Uh, Epicenter was trying to run him down, but couldn't get it done for Steve Ashmussen. And then, um, Creative Minister, uh, you know, was again one that was just playing there and coming up the track, you know, to, finish up the you know the top four and everything so um but the the whole point that i'm getting to is uh, like we were saying before about how they get there you know how what what uh you know constitutes uh the the horses getting to the kentucky derby well there's a lot of factors that go into it and this time of year it's interesting because that whole 
2023 Kentucky Derby is now coming into play. You know, the, the, the owners are, are, you know, trying to uh, go on with uh, the Triple Crown now as it is, and and hopefully they got a horse that will make it on to Belmont. But this year it doesn't look like it. It's one of those reality checks. Uh, you know, am I going to have a horse, you know, ready for the Belmont after the, the long winter and after the hard, um, you know, the hard uh, Triple Crown uh, chase of the Derby and the Preakness? Uh, and that's going to be really tough for him to do. And so, you know, I, I'm sitting there thinking, like, trying to have two or three different, um, you know, projects in, going on in my mind now. And, and it's really kind of um, interesting to see, uh, you know, how how they're doing it. Well, Chad Brown had an interesting comment. He wins the Preakness uh, this year uh, with early voting, which is a good horse. But the interesting part about it was, and like we're talking about how they get there, he sat down with his owners, and they're trying to figure out the rest of the season for early voting. And the reason they're doing that is, is you try to uh, have a horse that, that could be a good stallion down the road. And so far, Chad's uh, early voting, it's a good horse. You know, he showed a lot. And but you know he just had a lot of different things that um, he had to try to get over coming through the uh, uh, you know through the, uh, the series of races to get to the prep races to get to the Derby, and so now Chad he's had three uh, three three uh, year olds that are really fantastic they're really good better than most, and so now he sat down with the owners and they're looking at a different way to go. You know, the Belmont would be nice, but you're talking about uh, Saratoga's opened up, Monmouth Park's opened up. Uh, you know, you see a lot of these uh, tracks have some good races that have opened up. And, you know, you're looking at the Jim Dandy. Uh, you're looking at the Haskell at Monmouth. Uh, you're looking at uh, the Travers at um, uh, at Saratoga. Uh, there's a few other races scattered out uh, throughout the year, uh, to the ending of the year. But now you're looking at going to the Breeders' Cup, getting that three-year-old to the Breeders' Cup. And, man, let me tell you something. Breeders' Cup's not that far off, guys. It's not. You know, here we're, here we're looking at the 1st of June, and then you're looking at July, uh, June, July, August, September, and October, and now you're at Breeders' Cup. And there's a lot of million-dollar races. There's a lot of big races to get, get run to be run over the summer, you know, to get to the Breeders' Cup. And so that that's what uh, everybody's doing now. And all just about all these trainers have pulled their horses back, told their owners, said, look, we're going to have to really plan this out. You know, what what do we want to accomplish? Do we, do we want to establish, you know, our horse as a stallion uh, uh, prospect? If we do, then we're going to have to go in and you're going to have to run at least the Travers, going to have to run the Breeders' Cup. And maybe one other race, you know, prior to uh, to the Travers, you know, you get your three races in before the Breeders' Cup, and then you hope for the best. Or do you want to just go for dollars? There's a lot of uh, good races on the undercards, like uh, the Haskell and the, and the Travers, uh, you know, and Breeders' Cup, and you can, you can go for for the money on the undercard races. You know, some they're not million dollar races, but they're three or four hundred thousand dollars, and that, that's what they're you know what you're looking at. Uh, you know, you, you've got to build the value of that stallion uh, for for your owner, and that's that's a hard task to do. You know, because you, you tried to get to the um, 
to the Derby and, and the road you took got you there, but you know, it, you didn't fare like you think you would fare. So what, you know, what do you do? Uh, you know, you, you just got a lot of decisions to make. And so it looks like the Haskell and, and the, uh, Jim Dandy and we're looking at, um, uh, you know, the Travers, uh, a couple of other races, uh, you know, down the road there for them to run in. And so that's what they're looking at. So essentially, the how they get there to the 2022 Kentucky Derby was over two Saturdays ago. That journey was over, you know, and, and it was what it was. And, uh, you know, they did their best they could, and they got to set back and reevaluate their next season, the 2023 Kentucky Derby. And now here, here's the interesting part. Technically, on on how they get there, the races start out uh, in September, and um, the points to get the points on the on the road to the Kentucky Derby, and it's September 22nd. It starts out with the Pocahontas Stakes at Churchill Downs, and then we go to the Chandelier at Santa Anita Park, um, and literally every weekend they're they're running these races. Uh, Chandelier at Santa Anita Park, the Frisette at Belmont, the Alcibiades at Keeneland, and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile uh, Philly Race at Keeneland. So now you're trying to concentrate on getting your horse to the Kentucky Oaks, getting your horse to the Breeders' Cup, and so your your road uh, to the 2023 Kentucky Oaks is pretty much set, and it starts September 22nd, and that's just around the corner. Gives you plenty enough time to get your horse rested up and get it ready to go. And then, you know, it's all the bells and whistles from here at that point on. And same thing for the Derby. Um, the Derby starts um, on September 22nd also. Um, it's a, a co-feature race at Churchill. It's called the Iroquois Stakes for three-year-olds. And it's a Derby points race. And all the races that I'll tell you about now, and like I did with the Oaks, they're all point getters. They're all point getters, so you you got to build up those points, you know, so you don't get shut out. It's you know it's a shame to go, you know, the the whole whole race season, uh, fall and winter and spring, and not get enough points. But you got to be careful and you got to choose your um, poison, as they say, um, and, and that's very difficult. That's what the trainer and the owner are going through now. They're trying to figure it all out with all the other things that they're doing. And so uh, when the Colts start, uh, like I said, it's September 22nd at Churchill. It's the Iroquois. Then we go to New Market, and it's the Royal Lodge. Um, then we go to the Curra in Ireland, the Bestford. We go to Santa Anita at American Farrell, the Champagne Stakes at Belmont, um, uh, the Pre du Jean uh, uh, in Longchamp. Sorry about that. I'm not good on anything foreign other than Southern. Uh, the Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland, and then you have um, the uh, Fertum Futurity at Doncaster, and then you have the Breeders' Cup Juvenile at Keeneland. And so, you know, you, you're you're looking at a pretty tough road to go uh, here uh, in the fall to get your horses to where you want to get them. And this is all, all comes in, into play because if you go now – and you throw your horses in on these type of races with these kind of horses, um, you know, the longevity of your horse surviving is, is going to be tough because it's a brutal road. You know, it's hard to face that 
tough competition, uh, you know, every month, uh, you know, to get, get into Churchill. You like to bring them along sometimes real slow. And, and a lot of people tried doing that, especially out in California this year. Uh, a lot of those races were really light races with only five and six horse fields. But yet when it came down to the Derby and into the Preakness, you, you couldn't find them, you know, because they had such a long road to go. And, and that's what these owners and trainers are starting to look at now. You know, they, they know what they've got to do here between now and, you know, the first uh, Saturday in November, um, you know, to get their horses uh, what they need to do uh, to get into the Derby. And a lot of times some of the points you pick up now may be just small in value, but yet they're crucial, you know, next April. They're worth more next April than they are now in the fall. And, and so, you know, that's what we're looking at. And then we're back onto the road again every month. Every month, every weekend during the months after after uh, um, the Breeders' Cup, you're going to have a race that you can get points, earn points in to get to the Derby. So it, it takes a tremendous amount of planning, um, you know, to to get there. Uh, there's a lot of things that you have to do, uh, you know, to uh, to get your horse there, providing you have a horse right now at this time and point. Now, there's a lot of people that might not be ready for the Derby. And you say, why do you say that at this time of year? Well, I'm telling you why I'm saying this at this time of year. It's because, one, if you've got a homebred, then you know what you got from the get-go. You know what you got. But if you're trying to purchase one on a private deal, if you're going to the two-year-old training sales and trying to purchase one, uh, you know, you're kind of starting out where you need to be, but, you know, you don't know how good that horse is, what's wrong with him, what's going to be good. There's just a lot of things, you know, that you um, uh, need to do. And so now, uh, one of the things that I, I keep kidding a friend of mine about um, is, is that a derby horse? Is that is this going to be a Derby horse? Well, what's funny is he always tells me, he said, man, he said, there's 20 stalls there, there's 20 potential Derby horses. He said that's the long and short of it. He said the toughest part of my job now is, is telling the owners that they're not going to make the Kentucky Derby, and uh, you know because it's either too slow or you know there's just a multitude of reasons why. And take me for example. Um, I was involved with the horse that was on the Derby Trail last year. He he he, uh, he came out of the gate uh, for his first run, at, uh, and we were excited about it because he he wanted easy. Uh, you know, we were excited about that, and uh, so we're thinking, oh my God, you know, here we go. We got a horse, you know, that's that's uh, on the road, on the road to the Derby, and so then he runs his second time out and he runs third. And he was inexperienced, but he ran into a stiffer uh, type of uh, company, uh, you know, a very, very high-quality company, uh, you know, company that he was in. There wasn't just one or two. That there were six of them in the race. And um, he had only gone six furlongs his first time out, and he went it easy. And then the second time out, he goes a mile and a sixteenth. And, you know, at the three-eighths pole, you know, he thought the race was over and the jockey had to remind him, Hey buddy, we still got a little bit more to go to get that finish line. And once he realized that he put on a real hard charge 
and he was driving down on the winter in second place. And um, naturally, you know, they 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 were backing up to him a little bit, but um, you know, he was at least running at them and knew what it was all about. You know, so we're excited about that. So then we send him to Keeneland for his third start. He goes down to Keeneland. There's snow, ice, rain, mud. You name it, it was there. And gee whiz, you know, he comes out and he wins. So now we're really excited. He's been on the big stage. Uh, you know, we, we, he's traveled, uh, he's run against, uh, you know, very, uh, worthy opponents. So we're excited. We send him to Belmont. He's training up at Belmont. He, um, ends up with a small injury. Uh, we had to send him back to, um, uh, Kentucky and they performed a small minor, uh, preventive operation on him. And so he'll be back at, uh, Gulfstream, uh, you know, where he broke his maiden net, uh, sometimes in late uh, fall or early winter. So that was our three-year-old uh, journey to the Kentucky Derby, you know, so it, it was exciting. And, and so, um, you know, but it just goes through to show you there's a lot of things you got to decide, especially right now. Oh, man, let me tell you, there's 20,000 foals were born in, uh, in Kentucky for the three-year-old crop uh, that's coming up for the 2023 Kentucky Derby. And there's only going to be 20 of them are going to run in the Derby. Only 20 of those 20,000. You know, and it's all how they get there. And we got some of these, some of these races that are coming up. Like, um, you know, uh, for example, we were talking before about like, um, at Hot Springs, uh, you know, they've got, uh, three races there that, uh, that prepped them for the, uh, uh, Arkansas Derby. And theoretically and logically, uh, you know, the thing to do is, is to, uh, take your horse, go to, um, go to Hot Springs to, uh, uh, you know, Oakland and take your horse there. Um, the weather varies there all year long. Um, you know, it's not like it is in Florida or California, but it varies, but it's tolerable. And nine times out of 10, if you come out of hot springs, uh, from the winter going into the Derby, you're going to face just about any track condition that you're going to see at Churchill, uh, whether it's uh, snow, ice, sleet, Rain, you know, good weather. You're, you, you know, you, you literally have that, uh, you know, at hot springs. And those are the kind of decisions that you have to think about with your horse. You know, what, where do I want to place him at? Or you can come down to Florida and you can be in Florida year round, uh, you know, or for the, for the winter and fall and the winter and, and much into the spring. Uh, you've got good racing, good training facilities. Um, you know, there's a lot you can do. Uh, here, here in Florida, uh, you've got Tampa, you got Bay Downs, you got, um, Gulfstream Park. So, you know, the condition book, you, you've got plenty of races to get your horse, um, you know, fit and ready for the Derby. Uh, you know, you got good competition. Uh, you kind of can, you kind of can pick and choose, you know, and then you got like the swale stakes that'll be coming up. Uh, you got the Fountain of Youth. Uh, you got the Florida Derby, the Tampa Bay Derby. Um, you know, you have that, uh, you know, to go to. And, and so there's just so many things that, there that you can do. And, and these owners now, they're in a predicament because now they're under the gun for next year. They're under the gun for next year. And, and you got to kind of evaluate your horse and see what you want to do with them. Uh, because when they get through running the Derby, the Preakness and the Belmont, these are older horses now. And, you know, you got to be careful where you pick and choose and how much money you want to earn with them and how you're going to get there, 
you know, with them uh, to to the Breeders' Cup, and also so that's tough. And then you know, like I said, you got the two-year-old uh, going on now, and it's kind of exciting because you got the sales and you got some two-year-old races here and there, and all the stories start. Oh, did you hear that Charlie over there in Barn Florence said he's got a Derby runner for sure. You know, he's big, he's he's massive. Uh, you know, he's something else, and and you know, all the stories start going on, and and they're talking about the journey that's going to get them to the Derby, and. Uh, and all like that, and then you know you might not see this horse again, you know, in a stake race. You see him in some claiming races or, or what have you, like they did with a uh, Rich Strike. You know, that horse was just—I mean, there's nobody looked at that horse, and then all of a sudden, the horse had to tell the trainer, and had to tell the owner, and had to tell tell the racing people, "Hey, I'm a good horse," you know. So he wins the Derby. Well, that's good. You know, everybody has their race to win. Maybe that was his. But now what's going to be interesting is seeing what happens to him from here on out. Is he going to be another secretary? Secretary, you know, he, he was a great horse and everything. But when he went on as a stallion, he was not much. Um, had the name, but didn't have the game. You know, and that's what, it, that's what you know, we're trying to say now. you you got to be careful how you manage your horses. And everything. So there, there's a, a lot of things to take into consideration. Um, you know, with racing now, you're down into the, to the big time racing and, and it's really going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how they, how they do that. And, and one of the things that I like is the, uh, all the, um, uh, tracks have kind of recognized, uh, you know, what's going on with the horses. Uh, you know, what they're trying to do. How can they help our industry uh, is, is one of the things that, you know, that we're looking at. And the thing that I like about it is, is we're getting a lot of cooperation from all the racetracks uh, for as far as racing is concerned. Uh, you know, they're, they're writing special racing. Uh, they're doing a lot of different things, uh, you know, that uh, I like to see, uh, you know, happening. And for example, uh, you know, we're going to go uh, out to uh, talk a little bit about Santa Anita Park right now. Um, this is, uh, they're they're very uh, up to date with what they want to do and how they want to do it. And they're trying to figure out what is really the highlight uh, with these uh, these horses that are, that are out there. So what they've done is they created a, a, a series of races. They're gonna, that are gonna take place on, uh, in May, uh, at the end of this year, uh, for a lot of, um, the horses that, uh, you know, didn't make the Preakness or, or the Belmont or, you know, or, or the other races. And, and all the tracks, just about all the tracks are doing this. And I tell you, when I saw it, I said, boy, oh boy, I said, these, these trainers are really put under the gun now because they gotta go to their owners and start talking money. And the, the first race we're looking at is uh, race number five on May 28th at Santa Anita Park. It's Saturday. And it's a stakes race. It's a mile and an eighth on the turn, $150,000 for three-year-olds. And I tell you, it's going to be a nice race. You see a lot of uh, 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 trainers that you normally don't see, but they're, out, they're, you know, they're in these races. Uh, you know, like, um, John Sadler's got a horse called Smuggler's Run, which is a very nice horse. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking at Jeff Mullins. 
Uh, he's got Bally's charm, and it's really a nice horse. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at some uh, uh, nice horses, a mile and an eighth on the turf, and, and it's going to be good for the public to see. And on, on this date, they've got quite a few three-year-old races. Um, they got a stakes race. Uh, it's a mile and 16th on the dirt, 150,000 for three-year-old fillies. And it's uh, the race eight at Santa Anita Park. Um, you know, John Sadler, he's got big switch in there, which is, which is really a good horse. Doug O'Neill's got It's Simple, uh, which, is, which is a tough horse. And then the horse I really uh, I like is... Um, uh, the horse, uh, and you see, uh, from, um, Clifford, uh, Clifford Size Jr. Uh, this, this horse can, can run a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, you the honor. Uh, you, you, you the honor. Tyler Bays. He'll be good. Um, then we have, uh, another race. It's a stakes race, a mile on the turf, $100,000 added for three year olds. Uh, and up, uh, which gets a little more experienced ones in there. Um, you know, it, it's a good race. Uh, Mike Pompey's in there, Doug O'Neill again, uh, John Sadler, uh, Gus Headley is there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what they do with this, with this race. And the horse I like in it is uh, Irish Heatway. Uh, this horse is a Keeneland grad. Uh, they bought him as a Keeneland sales. And, uh, but they brought him back out to California. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens with that. So, you know, there, there's three races right there, um, that are trying to help out the three year old crop this year. Um, we have a six furlong on dirt, 100,000 added for three year olds holding up. Um, it'd be race number four on the card out there. Uh, you got, uh, Mike Pompey's got, uh, uh, a, a nice horse in there. Uh, Dean, uh, uh, Patterson, he has fashionably fast, uh, which is a nice one, but it's only a five horse field. You know, we're looking at, uh, so far two, two of the three races are, um, five horse fields. One's a six horse field. Uh, another one's a six horse field and a seven horse field that we're looking at. And the last one is a hundred thousand added for three year old fillies up on the turf. Uh, you know, it's the same uh, group of people. But what makes it nice is these trainers can point for these races, you know, that, that are going on. Uh, you know, you can kind of polish off a three-year-old. And you'll see a lot of horses uh, that are running on the 28th there. Uh, you, you might see them in bigger and better stake races uh, uh, during the summer and maybe even in the Breeders' Cup. But at least it's given the trainers and owners a chance to make money. And, and they created this, uh, specifically, you know, for, for this date, uh, is what they've done. So I, I was glad to see that. And the tracks are really helping, you know, the horsemen out creating uh, good stake races and good places to, uh, you know, to run. And there, there's just a lot of things that they're, that they're there to do to help. And, and I was, uh, so glad to be a part of that to a certain extent, um, in my career. And it, it was really good. Uh, you know, so now uh, it's up to the owners and trainers. They got everything that they need to get their horses to the finish line and make some money. There's no screaming, there's no hollering, there's no nothing. You know, it's up to them because it's all laid out for them. The journey is laid out. How they get there is up to them. 
and that's what we're trying to do. Um, you know, the, the television aspect of, uh, of uh, the programming for the horse industry is really good. It's getting uh, wider and wider and wider uh, for everything that um, that we're doing. Uh, it seems like FS2 has seems to get um, all their things uh, together, and they got uh, uh, racing uh, just about every three four days a week to um, uh, through the fourth of July and everything. So that that's really going to be interesting to see what happens here with them. Uh, you know, to to get get her going as they say. And the sales, we've got some good sales going, you know, that are people are trying to pick up a good horse for the next year. Um, you know, it's just really good. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I like is American Day, America's Day at the races. Um, they, it's going to be live in three hours on IEN because they're showing a lot of West Coast, uh, you know, racing is what they're doing. So, you know, we're looking at, at a 5 o'clock uh, time, our time there um you, you know the, the things that uh, we're trying to show here and get you behind uh the scenes and see what's going on like we've got a real good movie uh this one it's called behind the gate and it, the finish line is just the beginning and it's really good it goes behind the scenes and tells you you know what they what they're doing how they're doing uh you know there's just a really a good a good thing segment there a good little um, movie there to educate and inform you and and if i were you know uh not a horseman uh, you know and i saw that I, i'd surely look at it because it, it would tell me just about everything i needed to know you know to be able to have a good eye for the horses you know in horse racing and that's a real good movie and i think i forget how long it is it's uh oh it's probably about an hour and 20 minutes long i think something like that and um, so that's good and then one of the things that um, that I like when I go to uh, different racetracks is, or to a horse show or whatever, just about every facility that you go to, and I'm going to use um, this as an example, um, the dressage at Devon in Pennsylvania, or Devon as they say, and, um, in Pennsylvania. And the reason I'm saying that is it's got the old classic look. It's old school. Uh, you see uh, world champions, uh, classic international horses and everything. But you're going to be surprised what I'm going to tell you. They have uh, booths there, souvenir booths, uh, that you can go and you can get, you know, the, the basic souvenirs, you know, from Devon and, and there, you know, the, the hats, the, you know, everything. But if you go over to the photographer's booth they had participating photographers like um, Jessica Casino photography uh, they have Bob Conklin uh, photography and Andrea Duckworth uh, Stacy uh, Windicos Anna Smolens uh, Judy Renford uh, Darren Queen uh, Quinn I should say and if you go over and you take a look and see where they're at, they might have a booth there, but they might not. But you can pick up some professionally made photographs of different horses there, uh, of the different angles of Devon, you know, of the grand sands of the, of the whole week long uh, thing that they have there. Uh, it's really, it's really a good thing to go to. And every, every track and every uh, equine facility has that. 
uh, you know, there that you can go and you can pick up a good souvenir. And let me tell you, a lot of times those pictures are a lot cheaper than the souvenirs are in the, in the booth. And, and they're the real deal. They make nice for framing. And, and so just, you know, you go over and ask for the, uh, event, uh, photographer and they'll direct you to it and, uh, you see what they have and, it's really good to get on to. And the great thing about it is, is you don't have to be at the event, you know, to uh, get pictures from them because once you uh, get connected with them on uh, uh, email or, you know, what have you, uh, you know, you can go on to their websites and you can order pictures uh, from all over the world. And sometimes that's kind of a nice little hobby to have, you know, to do that. Um, and like I said, uh, there's just so many things you can do. You know, there's a track photographer there. Yeah, you know, like, uh, for example, it's Saratoga. Uh, Saratoga's coming up. And, and let me tell you, you got to go to their website. You got to go to naira dot, uh, com backslash Saratoga. Uh, then they'll tell you everything that they have there that, that's going on. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of it. Uh, Naira plans, uh, breakfast and breeding farm tours at Saratoga this year. And this is really good for for the whole family, uh, you know, to go see. Uh, upstate New York, uh, there's plenty to do there. Uh, the New York Racing Association today announced that um, uh, for the first ever breakfast and breeding farm tour package at Saratoga Racecourse, uh, the Saratoga Breakfast and Breeding Farm Tour presented by Capital Di- District Transportation Authority uh, will be offered every Friday beginning July 15th which is opening day, um, and said it will accommodate up to 40 guests. An all-inclusive fan experience package features a buffet breakfast at Saratoga Racecourse, opportunity to watch world-class thoroughbreds during their morning training hours, uh, round-trip open-air trolley ride from Saratoga Racecourse to the old tavern farm. And let me tell you, that, that, uh, that tram that you ride, that is really nice. Because they they get you up close and in person uh, to the track, to the horses, to the barns, uh, to the farm, everything they get, they get them there. And there's a 90 minute guided walking tour uh, to an active thoroughbred breeding farm. Uh, it's really good, and it also includes admission to Saratoga Racecourse. It says, uh, and I see what else they say here. What I'm trying to tell them. they got me when they said buffet breakfast. That got me. Uh, the Saratoga Breakfast and Breeding Farm Package is available for $55 for adults, $25 for children, uh, and 12 and under uh, tickets are, uh, are, are really inexpensive. Uh, you, can't, you can't beat that uh, for it. Uh, so it's going to be the first time ever that they've done this. Uh, you could be a part of history at Saratoga by being one of the patrons that go in and take this, uh, um, you know, this tour. Uh, the, the, the breakfast begins with, uh, breakfast at Saratoga featuring a buffet breakfast at Saratoga Racecourse between 7 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. So they're not going to be rushing you in and out, you know, to get there. Uh, with a drip backdrop of world-class thoroughbreds participating in their morning training, guests can arrive at any time for breakfast during these hours. So that, you know, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, you, you're not really uh, pressured a lot, but, you know, you can have a good day in it. It says, following the conclusion of the breakfast at 9.30 a.m., fans will board an open-air courtesy trolley, uh, a trolley uh, courtesy of the CDTA, 
and at the clubhouse entrance and embark on a 15-minute ride along the, the picturesque Saratoga Lake to Old Tavern Farm for a 90-minute, 90-minute, um, I, I, I would say it's 90 minutes tour, but it's going to be a lifetime experience that you'll you'll get. It'll seem like, you know, that you've been there forever. But, I mean, it's just so interesting. Um, it's going to be a nice walking tour of the premier breeding farm. Uh, you know, the fans will uh, get back to Saratoga Rice Course approximately 11.45 a.m., well in advance of the first post at 1 p.m. Uh, so, that you know, it's going to be really, uh, uh, it's really going to be good. Uh, you know, to see, you get to see a farm, you get to see the owners, you get to see everything that they have there. Um, you know, so that, that's one of the things that we're trying to tell everybody about in the horse business. You can go and do these things if you get on there to the websites and you see, uh, see all these things that, you know, they have the offer. Um, you know, and as we talked about before, uh, here, uh, the horse business is so important to our economy and our nation you know, into, into each uh, little town, and whether it's small or big. Um, in the capital region alone at Saratoga Racecourse uh, is responsible for an economic impact of nearly $240 million. It supports employment of more than 2,000 full and part-time and seasonal workers, according to Saratoga County Industry Development Agency. So, you know, that just goes to show, you know, how important it is. Uh, 2,000 people is a lot of people working there. Uh, they're the ones that are going to Walmart and to the grocery store and, you know, to the gas stations and, you know, doing all those things to make the community even a better uh, uh, place to be. Um, you know, so that, those are just the kind of things that we've been talking about, you know, here at IEM, trying to get people to call in, talk to us, tell us what they think. You know, evidently, uh, if I have any listeners out there, they're not listening because they're not calling in. And maybe they don't live where horses are at. Maybe they live in a box somewhere where they don't know what's going on around them. You know, that could be. Um, it very well could be. But uh, there's just a lot of things that, um, you know, that the industry is doing. Like, for example, uh, this year NBC uh, gives a lot of horse coverage to uh, all breeds and all, all disciplines. Um, the Breeders' Cup uh, Challenge Series has been scheduled on NBC this year. And so uh, it's ninth. It's the ninth year um, in a in a row for winning your in uh, on CV on NBC. Um, the live program is across the country, uh, which we have some of it on uh, IENTV.org. Uh, but it's NBC, CNBC, and the Peacock uh, Network. Um, Eighteen automatically qualifying races. From the nation's premier racetracks on the road to the Breeders' Cup World Championships. So, if you win and one of these win in your ends, then you automatically uh, get a post position into the uh, into the uh, Breeders' Cup uh, race day that'll be at Keeneland this year in the first week of November. And um, so uh, that that's going to be exciting. The challenge is going to be starting out here June 11th. Uh, we have the Metropolitan uh, Handicap at Belmont Park. Uh, we have the Ogden Fitz Stakes uh, at Belmont Park. And we have the uh, Japur uh, Stakes at um, uh, Belmont Park. 
And so that that's, you know, you're looking at June 11th there. Then uh, a couple of weeks later, they go to, uh, to Churchill Downs, where you'll have uh, the Stephen Foster Stakes, the Fleur de Lis Stakes uh, will be there, uh, which is really good, uh, a good race, really good. And then um, that's in the 1st of July, and then towards the end of July, uh, we go out to Monmouth Park where we have the Haskell Stakes. Um, then it's back to Saratoga for the Whitney Stakes. Uh, the jockey clubs, the jockey club and the gold cup stakes at Saratoga, uh, the flower bowl stakes at Saratoga. And then we go down to, uh, September 10th to the turf sprint at Kentucky Downs, turf cup at Kentucky Downs. Uh, and then we have, go back to New York to the Champagne stakes at Belmont Park, uh, the Miss Grello stakes in Belmont Park. And then we go to Keeneland, uh, on October 8th for the thoroughbred, uh, Club of America at Kingland Stakes, the Breeders' uh, Futurity, which is a, um, a derby prep race. Uh, the Turf Mile at Keeneland uh, will be there. Uh, the Spencer Stakes at Keeneland, the Bourbon Stakes, and the Indian Summer Stakes at Keeneland follow up. And then you're looking at, um, you know, about three weeks later, you're looking at the uh, Breeders' Cup uh, from Keeneland, and they will be live on NBC, on NBC. And so, the, you know, those are the kind of things that uh, we're trying to tell everybody about here, uh, in high end, you know, where to go, what to do, uh, how to get there. And just let us know, you know, we'll be glad to talk about it, you know, with you. Um, we just got so many things that are going on. Uh, you know, like uh, one of the things that I, I, I think that's really interesting is uh, out of Rio Doso Downs this year. Um, they got the Heritage Antique Show, um, which is based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, we'll showcase nearly 20,000 square feet of antiques and collectibles on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, the show will open at 10 a.m. each day until uh, until approximately one hour after the end of racing. Um, admission to the show is $10, and that's that's a good price. Don't tell what kind of uh, things that you can see. Uh, you know, it'll really be nice. It says that some of the top antique vendors expected to participate in the show this year are coming to Rio Dosa Downs from Colorado, Michigan, Oklahoma, uh, Missouri, Texas, and Arizona. So, you know, no telling what you'll be able to find in, in, in a, you know, all the things that they're going to be bringing out there, uh, which is going to be, uh, you know, exciting to see. Uh, and then, you know, again, the, the tracks are trying to help the horsemen and create uh, more than just racing so they can get the whole family there and not just, you know, the guys wanting to go watch horse or, horses race. Uh, they want to get families there. Um, we, uh, this is one thing that everybody always talked about, shipping your horses. You know, where, where am I going to go? Where, how am I going to get there? Like here in Florida, we a lot of horses come from Tampa and, in Miami and Ocala, you know, to race at our two different tracks here. And so, um, you know, it's always tough, but we got a ship, a ship program here too that we can go, go through. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, they got a ship and win program, uh, continues at, uh, Santa Anita. So they help all the trainers with, uh, shipping all over the country. Now, uh, we're going to get into something here that is very uh, important to me. Uh, my, my day and my schedule, um, I, I'm pretty regimented in what I do and how I do it. And I know when to rest and I know when to work. Uh, I know, you know, when to do laundry, when to do grocery shopping, 
uh, you know, when to fill the car up full of gas, uh, you know, when to clean house, uh, you know, I know when to do all these things, when to work on, uh, you know, paperwork and, and personal business things and all like that. So it's all about being organized. And when you're organized, uh, you, you don't get caught short on anything. And so one of the things that um, uh, I'm going to talk to you about now, and it mostly pertains to uh, us here in Florida uh, in the East Coast. Uh, it's hurricane season starts here on June 1st. And so you, you can apply this to the Midwest. You can apply this to everywhere because, you know, you have tornadoes and bad weather, um, you know, in, in the summer times all throughout the Midwest and, and, you know, the Northeast and the West, you know, and Southwest. But um, here at Sunshine Meadows, uh, we are, are we are hurricane shelters, uh, certified hurricane shelter for horses. Uh, we're at 16668 Winter Circle, W-I-N-N-E-R-S Circle in Delray Beach, Florida, 33446. Uh, we also have Palm Beach Downs and Delray Equestrian. Uh, we have uh, concrete block uh, dorm rooms, and we have um, concrete block stalls. Uh, our barns are all, we've got 18 uh, stalls that are, uh, uh, very good, uh, weather-wise. 15 of those 18 barns are cement, concrete, uh, center blocks. Uh, so the barns aren't going to go anywhere. The roof may go somewhere, but, uh, the stalls aren't. And, uh, we, we really love it because, uh, uh, the people that come in here during a hurricane, um, is really, uh, phenomenal to see. Uh, we get these people in and, and they're worried about their horses. And, and so, um, you know, they see where they're at. They see where, how their horses are. Um, Brandon Mills, the manager of our facility out here, when he first got here uh, some years back, um, he realized that, um, uh, you know, we were just operating off of our regular water plant. And if electric goes down, we have no water. And the first thing that Brandon did was put in gasoline pumps so that they could pump water all across the farm, even if the electric goes down. And so, you know, that's all you need for horses basically is hay and water, you know, to get through the, the you know, the few days that it takes you to get back and get on your feet. And so what we like to do is we like to have um, uh, our uh, potential guest uh, horsemen that come in. Uh, we like to have them call and talk with us. Uh, we'll tell them exactly what they need to bring. Uh, what they need to do, you know, and, and if they need somebody to watch and take care of their horses during the hurricane, uh, we have people here available that they can, uh, that they can hire to do that and everything that actually live here on the farm. So, you know, that, that makes a big difference there. But, um, people don't realize, uh, uh, during the hurricane season or the, the, you know, the, the wicked weather that we can have up in, you know, the Midwest. Uh, what we tell, first thing I tell them to do is to bring a can of spray paint. And they always say, what do we need spray paint for? I said, well, I said, you're going to laugh. But I said, this is what we do. I said, if for some reason, uh, your horse, uh, uh, gets spooked out of the barn or gets, uh, something happens to where they're running loose all over, you know, from the hurricane. What we do is we take that can of spray paint and the owners spray paint their phone number on the side of their horse. 
So they've got the owner's number spray painted on the horse, no matter how much it rains, uh, no matter how much they roll, that number will be on them until, you know, you remove it, you know, properly. And that's one of the things that, that we do. Uh, you know, we, we, we have them do that. And so that makes them a little more secure in what they do. And the second thing we do is we encourage them to stay, uh, you know, pre-hurricane and, and after the hurricane to uh, stay with their horses and let them know that it's going to, you know, that, that they're in good hands uh, when they do it. Because uh, um, after the hurricane's over, you got to evaluate the situation from the barn that you came from, see what it takes. Uh, for example, we had a couple of years ago, we had a client that had uh, eight horses with us, and they had to, uh, uh, their barn was totally leveled uh, at Los Hatchie, Florida. And so we told them this, you know, get the barn built back up, get it ready for them. I said, you know, you got, you got a place here, uh, you know, to stay. Uh, Brandon's really good about that. And, uh, you know, they stayed and they, they weren't pressured. Uh, you know, they, they could deal with that and they didn't feel the pressure, you know, of have to move their horses, you know, uh, and it kind of made them feel better. And now they're good clients. Uh, so a couple of them have uh, show horses over here with us and they do that. So, so we do that. And then we also ask if that um, when you come, uh, if you can bring, you know, uh, a bag or two of feed, uh, you know, for your horse uh, so that they don't get off the feed, you know, and have to eat a different type feed uh, to do that. And then we also ask them if they, they bring a, um, uh, you know, a couple of bales of hay for them to eat, you know, water buckets and feed tubs and, and their brushes just like they would have at home. Uh, you know, we want everything to stay pretty much as, as normal as possible. But the key thing is, is that we need to have um, the contact for your veterinarian. Uh, the veterinarian is a crucial part of this uh, hurricane rescue. Uh, if if uh, your, your veterinarian is not able to be here, which is likely that he, he wouldn't be, but if anything does happen, our local vet that we have here can con- consult and confer with the vet, with your vet that you have at your farm, and, and that's really important. It's the, it's the lines of communication, you know, that that we need. Uh, we need to have at least one phone number from you and a backup number uh, that we can get a hold of you from. Uh, you know, we got to make sure that uh, uh, after your feed gets close to uh, being gone, if you're going to be with us any longer, bring more feed, bring bring more hay. Uh, we have turnout paddocks here, uh, so the horses aren't going to be stuck in the stall the whole time, uh, weather permitting. Um, you know, we'd be able to turn the horses out for a little bit every day in a, in a uh, really well-fenced in, uh, you know, paddocks that we have here. And we can accommodate up to 750 horses here at Sunshine Meadows. And we have plenty of good quality people that we can put you in contact with and you can talk with them and uh, see about, you know, having them feed your horses and clean your stalls and things of that nature. But uh, now's the time to start contacting us. Now's the time to start um, getting these things all in line so that you don't have to worry about anything. You know, and we suggest that you come out here to Sunshine Meadows and that you meet Brandon Mills, the manager, and you can meet me, uh, Scott Miller. Um, you can meet our staff in the office, and you can get a direct line of communication. Uh, you know, with us so that it makes things a lot easier to get done. You don't have to waste your time calling a lot of different people. 
you know, to do that and all. So, you know, now's the time to start to prepare, you know, for that. And same thing with, uh, you know, our people here in Florida. You got to start thinking about, uh, you know, backup food, canned food, you know, for you and your family and for your pets. Um, you know, you, you might uh, uh, not have your dogs on uh, on wet food, but, you know, 10 cans of dog food goes a long way during a hurricane, uh, you know, that, that you don't have to worry about it, uh, you know, getting wet or, you know, uh, getting damaged or anything like that. So, you know, you think that about for your dogs, your cats. Uh, you know, you got to think about that. And then you think about, you know, for your family, you know, um, try to get four or five meals, days, days, uh, uh, food stocked up, uh, you know, with whether it's canned or, you know, what have you, uh, so that, uh, you know, you can survive through the day, you know, and through the night. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, blankets and pillows. Uh, make sure that you've got uh, those set aside that they're easy to get to. And, uh, you know, you can, you can work with it. And that's, that's, uh, you know, that's all the tough part. But the thing is, is about the horses in the hurricane season. It's going to be so, so easy for you. Uh, whenever the hurricane season gets here, uh, you know, when we start, we, and we're really lucky is because with the hurricanes, we can set out here and we can look and we can see, uh, you know, three or four days out where it is, uh, how big it is, uh, you know, the wind strength, um, you know, how much rain that, that it's putting out. Uh, there's just so many things that we're, that we can prepare for, uh, you know, uh, for our, not only our personal, you know, and our families and our workers, but for the horses. And it, and it takes a lot of help on the horses owners to do that. Um, because a lot of times the trainers are kind of stuck in a jam when they've got, you know, 40, 50, 60 or 100 horses. Uh, you know, it makes it tough, but if we can get track connection with the, uh, with the owner, uh, you know, then that makes life a lot simpler. You know, so just remember, can of spray paint, feed tubs, water buckets, uh, lead shank, um, see what else are we missing here? Can of spray paint, uh, that type of thing, uh, feed, hay, you know, where they're at. And, and so just, you know, let us know. But uh, June 1st is getting here real quick, and that's when the uh, hurricane season starts. And we need everybody to, you know, get a hold of us. But, uh, you know, it's been a real good show today, I, I think. I mean, I rambled on a lot, and it's it's hard talking to me, myself, and I, uh, which makes that tough. But the whole point of it is, and the general things that we're talking about, no matter what discipline you have, breed of horse you have, whether you live in a farm or an apartment or a house or an RV, um, the whole key today's show is about being prepared. See the future. There is no future unless you can see it. And once you see the future, then you can backtrack on how you're going to get there. And that's the whole thing is to set those goals, get them there, be prepared, and, you know, just take it a day at a time. And, and so, but um, I thank everybody for listening. Thank you. I even thank the people more that didn't call in and didn't listen because now they can't criticize me. So I can tell everybody I had one heck of a show, but we should have been there. And they'll never know the difference, but but I will, so I won't do that. So tune in next uh, Thursday, um, 1 p.m. on BBS Radio for the International Equine Report. And uh, email us at IEN, uh, equine TV 
um, at gmail.com or go to www.ientv.org or give me a call at 561-466-1272. So folks, stay prepared, hit it and get it, and enjoy life. Make a difference in somebody's life today and say hello. This is Scott Miller for Internet Equine Report.